welcome back to a sort of Star Wars podcast, the podcast that's sort of about Star Wars and sort of about everything else. And tonight we have Matt joining. Hi, Matt. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. R- welcome back to the podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this has been a long-awaited episode for us. I think we talked about first doing this like a year or maybe more uh, ago. <laughs> I, I, we we almost did it last summer mm. when we had talked about doing it after VBS. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this this episode, we're going to be talking about John Williams. Yes. Um, of course, John Williams um, should be known by any Star Wars fans because he wrote the music for Star Wars, but he's also done a ton of other stuff. So we're going to be talking about John Williams and we had to narrow it down to different decades. Right. So hopefully this is part of like a serial series that we do mm-hmm. um maybe every, once a year <laughs> we have an episode just kidding. we just sprinkle hopefully, them in every once in a while more than that <laughs> um but today we're focusing on john williams stuff from the 70s yes um and so initially i was like well how many could he have done from the 70s <laughs> so i had to um look up how many movies he did in the 70s 26 movies oh is that it yeah from the 70s that john williams scored um, most of them, you probably, most people probably wouldn't know. I don't know a lot of them. The bigger ones, the Poseidon Adventure, mm-hmm. um, let's see, Towering Inferno, Jaws, um, Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws 2, well, <laughs> Superman, Dracula, 1941. Those are some of the biggest ones from, uh, well, that I know of from the, uh, the seventies. So, um, other ones I hadn't heard of, like <clears throat> Con Rack, Cinderella Liberty, uh, Pete and Tilly. Like I don't know. Yeah, I think I haven't his, heard of those either. So seventy five was when Jaws came out. Okay. So it's been basically the last five years when all the good movies came out. Right. Of, of right. The seventies. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was kind of surprised how much he did before Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars was seventy seven, but almost like the majority of these are before. And he had a bunch in the 60s and some in the 50s, too. Well, I think he got started, if I remember my Wikipedia <laughs> yeah, <laughs> research. A lot of information is coming from Wikipedia. <laughs> so um, feel free to fact check me. But, yeah. Um, I think he started out in TV shows, actually. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. Um, yeah. I, I think he did um, some episodes for Get Smart, I think Oh, was. yeah. I did see that. Um, yeah. So... Um, I do have a little background on John Williams, just a little bit here. Uh, he was born in 1932, Febu- February 8th, 1932. So he's 88 years old. Wow. Yeah. Old guy. And so some of the bad news <laughs> was that Rise of Skywalker is going to be his last well, score that he does. Did he confirm that? Well, I had found that somewhere. Okay. I don't think it came out of his mouth, but okay. that's what I had found. Well, but I mean, what can you expect? He's I knew 88. it was his last Star Wars score. I mm-hmm. didn't know. Well, yeah. Yeah, he didn't do Mandalorian at all. Yeah. Right. I think it's his last one. I know it's his last Star Wars. Maybe it's not his last one ever, but um, John Williams has won 25 Grammy Awards, seven British Academy Film Awards, five Academy Awards, and four Golden Globe Awards. He has had a total of 52 Academy Award nominations. And I think, I think that's second only to Walt Disney. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I remember seeing that. That's pretty impressive company. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we had to break down the 70s movies into three movies we could actually talk about because we can't talk about all the movies from the 70s. Right. Um, So we are going to be discussing 
Jaws, Star Wars, obviously, and Superman. Okay. Um, let's start with Superman. Superman? Superman. Okay. Um, and... So we're going backwards. Yeah, we're actually going backwards. <laughs> I wanted to end with Star Wars. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I had never seen all of Superman before we talked about this. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a big movie when it came out, and Mom and Dad talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think they just talk about the one where he flies backwards around the world. Right. That was this one. That was this one? Yeah, that was Superman. That was the very first Superman? Yeah. Okay. Well, I only got like <laughs> halfway through it <laughs> before... I was like falling asleep and I gave up and then we had to postpone our original recording from a month ago and I never got back to rewatching it. Right. Yeah. And so that was this one. He flew backwards. He did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I missed that. Yeah. I, um, I mean, spoiler alert yeah, spo- <laughs> from 1978. <laughs> he, it, it was such a hard movie for me. Okay. Well, let me, let's start with some of the statistics from Superman. Okay. It came out in 1978. Director Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. Uh, who also directed Lethal Weapon, the Lethal Weapons movies, The Goonies, and Maverick. Oh, so okay. he had some affiliation with... Uh, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, yeah, I guess. Mel Gibson's not in The Goonies, though, I don't think. No. Um, and there's some taglines from the movie when it was coming out. You'll believe a man can fly. <laughs> and Catchy. another tagline, the movie that makes a legend come to life. Oh, Okay. Uh, at the box office, the budget was $55 million. Uh, opening weekend in the U.S., it made $7 million. Seven. $7.4 million. Okay. Um, that was in December. USA gross is $134 million. And the cumulative, cumulative, <laughs> cumulative, <laughs> worldwide gross is three hundred million. Now is that nineteen seventy eight dollars? Um, yes, I guess so. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know if this was adjusted for inflation or not. But um, the uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have as far as like about the movie, right? Um. So, like we were talking about, I had never seen it before this. Right. And I felt like it was really hard to get into. (laughs) Had you seen it before now? Uh, No. I mean, I had seen bits and pieces of it. Um, Like, I'd seen, yeah, like on TV, you know. But it was always like when you're channel surfing. So, you kind of like, you'd skip back and forth and then you'd be like, oh, well, I missed 15 minutes. And then, yeah. So. Um, Now, when we were, oh, I should say that we were going to be talking about the movies but more focusing on the music of the movies right um since john williams scored these right um so it made me think about in superman how many themes there were before this movie came out so this was not the first superman production by far right there's like um a comic or i mean animated show back in the 40s and then there was a a serial like a live action serial in 48 Right. And then another series in the 50s. Okay. And then a musical in the 60s. And then uh, this one came out in 78. So I did. I tried to find out, did John Williams write all of the Supermans? Or did he just write the one for this movie? Mm-hmm. Because I think me and you were talking about before how similar this theme sounds to the one from the 40s. But they're not the same. Right. Um, so the first... Let's see. 
Yeah, each theme from the one the shows I just mentioned were different. The 40s, the one in 1948, uh, the live action in the 50s, and uh, the 66 musical all had different theme songs for Superman. Okay. All written by different people. Because mm-hmm. I went through and I looked at, there have, there's a Superman The Ultimate Collection, okay. and it has all the theme songs on. Okay. And they're all from different people. Mm-hmm. Very, They're all similar. Yeah. But they're all arranged differently. But since this one came out in 1978... Every Superman since has had this theme. Okay. Um, the John Williams theme. Yeah. So. So even like the Man of Steel right. and, and Batman Dawn, Dawn of Justice yeah. and yeah, all those. Okay. They said in Superman 3, it was it was the same music, but just arranged differently, like different instruments playing at different times. Gotcha. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know. But it was the same music. Yeah. But yeah, other than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this wasn't the first live action Superman either. And um, there was that serial I talked about in 48. And then there was a live action TV show in the 50s called The Adventures of Superman. Mm-hmm. And the guy who played Superman was George Reeves. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. When I first read that, I was like, oh, is that like the guy who plays Superman <laughs> in 78? Christopher Reeves? Is that his dad or something right. like that? Yeah. Um, but then I realized that's George Reeves with mm-hmm. an S. It's Christopher Reeve, Reeve Sans S. <laughs> so yeah, they're not related at all. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So between the fifties and 1978, that those were the only two live action Supermans. Okay. Okay. Um, and then of course there was the animated ones that we used to watch as kids. Yeah. Yeah. With the Batman, like, was it like an hour long? And you got a half hour Batman, a half hour Superman? No, it was alternated it like days. A, okay, each day was different. Yeah. And like the Batman ones, I'm like, nah, I don't care about that. Right. <laughs> Give right. me Superman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I want to see, want to see Superman and yeah, Mixel Plicks. And do you remember him? The, no. The guy that you had to say his name backwards three oh, times. Oh yeah. So he's so, like a like a what's, villain. Yeah, but what's what's the like um old like not fable, but like the old fairy tale of that? Oh. Don't you have to say it? The if guy. you say his name three times, he shows up or something like that. No, that's uh, the, the boogeyman or something. No, that's uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice. Oh, <laughs> Beetlejuice, 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 Beetlejuice. Oh uh, no! <laughs> no, I'm thinking of uh, the guy that made the girl turn hair into gold or straw into gold or oh my goodness. Oh, I I'll just laugh. I want to say Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. Yeah. Did you have to say his name backwards or something like that to break the curse? On? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I I'm not up, up on my yeah my brush up on that. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be talking about that tonight. <laughs> you Sorry. didn't prepare for that. <laughs> okay, so a little bit more about. Okay, so like I said, 1978, John Williams wrote this theme, and it's been used ever since. Mm-hmm. Um. And when watching the movie, I was like, especially listening for the theme. Like mm-hmm. I said, I got into it about an hour and a half okay. into the movie. Yeah. And him and he had just saved Lois for like the first time. And they had like their like interview where like, she interviews him and they like. Like on the terrace. Right. And yeah. they like fly. And yeah. she's he's like taking her all around the city. Yeah. He's like holding onto her fingertips and she's like flying beside him. I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> How is he holding her by her fingertips? Because that's all the strength that he needed. <laughs> just in that little, just in that little bit. And then I was like, "Oh, Metropolis also has a Statue of Liberty." Because <laughs> they fly around the Statue of Liberty. I, I was like, thinking oh. about that too. And they also have the Twin Towers. Oh, which, really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, but yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, but it has to be one of the slowest beginnings to a superhero movie I've ever seen. 
Well, and I think what's interesting about the movie, um, when it came to the score that I thought, um, at least I thought was interesting, was that it opens up almost the exact same way that Star Wars does. And oh, Star like, Wars had done it the year before, had come out the year before. But it's like... Like, like it opens on... Oh, go ahead. Well, Sorry, I was going to say, it, it, it opens to like a black screen with stars. Um, um, and the epic theme that each movie is known for is right there at the very beginning. Oh, is the Superman theme right at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it has a little that. bit of a slow... It has like kind of a bit of an intro, okay. but then... It has the da, 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 da. it has that right okay. at the beginning. Um, I was thinking the first time you heard it was I remember when he as a kid crashes into earth and he's like getting out of the pod and like the music you can like hear like lightly playing yeah um as he's getting out and you like recognize it as the Superman theme but it's not like the whole like fanfare well yeah and I think what I found uh, the additional thing I found interesting was it's not just the movie's theme like Star Wars has the like the movie itself mm, right. has its theme right but like and I, I've noticed this too with John Williams that he has themes for main characters. Right. You know, right. maybe we'll get more into that with Star Wars in particular. Yeah. But with Superman, I also noticed that that theme that everybody knows to be to the Superman movie is also Superman's Superman, theme. The character's the theme. The character's right, theme. Right, right, right. You know, and so I didn't necessarily know that before watching the movie, but every time he did something, you know, he had a rescue or, you know, he came into the scene, you know, in some super way. Right. That was the theme that was playing. And like yeah. you said, when he was little, when he crashed on Earth, it is like playing in the background. Like yeah. Softly. And everything. Yeah. So, I always like that when they like play it first, like kind of in the background and yeah. then it comes in later and you're like, oh, I've heard this song before, but it's like a lot bigger. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, no, I thought that was it. It is a it's a hard movie to get into, I would say. Um, There's so much more on Krypton than I was like used to. Krypton is like in other Superman things. It's like a distant memory. Like it's like well, I I was actually surprised by how much Man of Steel follows mm -hmm. Superman because it also opens in Krypton. Does it? I can't yeah. remember that. It's been remember? a while since I've seen that. So that was, Man of Steel was the one with um. Amy Adams. Yeah, the guy, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Is that his name? Yep. Okay, what was the one before? Oh, Superman Returns. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh. That nobody really liked that right. much. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm like with Man of Steel, it's like kind of a redo of, it's like going an origin to, story again. Yeah, going back to the beginning. Yeah, so like the first, like almost the same amount of time as super as Superman in Man of Steel is also spent in Krypton. Oh, so okay. Like, you know, Russell Crowe plays his dad and... Um, oh, yeah, that guy from uh, Knives Out plays Jor-El. Um, or, I mean, um, not Jor-El, the other guy. You're thinking of Daniel Craig? No. no. Uh, 
Zod. 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 That's what yeah. I meant. But he comes back in. Is he in Man of Steel? Yeah. Okay. He's in Man of Steel. Yeah. He, that guy was in Knives Out. Did uh, you? I haven't seen Knives Out. What? <laughs> oh my goodness. I heard it's really good. It's Ryan Johnson's second best movie ever made. <laughs> right after. Last Jedi. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it was hard to get into, but I was surprised um, how funny the movie was. What? Like it caught me off guard. I was like, oh, this is pretty clever and smart. And it like played on its own, played on itself some. Like when he like first wanted to be Superman, he was like getting ready to change into a super suit and he was looking for a phone booth. But like in the forties, there was phone booths when Superman came out. Right. And then now it's 78 and there's no phone booths. There's just right. like pay phones. Right. So he like walks up to one and he looks like, looks at it. He's like, no, I can't change in that. Yeah. So then he like <laughs> changes in the spinning door. But which no, is- Yeah. I thought that that was, that was a good one. I also, you know, it was, it was interesting to me. Like, so I was trying to like think of, I was trying to, notice different musical aspects mm-hmm. of it so like the one thing i did find funny was that every time um luther and his henchmen whatever yeah. it was it was always like this goofy kind of like movie like yeah. it always felt like it was almost like williams was like hmm i'm gonna make this kind of a silly thing to kind of and i think it was kind of like to pay homage to the comic books right. i think a lot of this movie was true to a comic book thing where, you know, it at that point, you know, you think about comics now, everything's so serious with having, yeah. I mean, not like everything's like, you know, serious, like it's serious in the way that, you know, you have to make sure the mythology is right. Right. You have to make yeah. sure that the backstory is right. Right. You know, and that all that kind of stuff. But I, I didn't think it, it was worried about that. Yeah. And I think Williams kind of knew that. So yeah. I think like, and Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor is right. just the best. Right. He's by far my favorite Lex Luthor. Well, I think it was kind of like, he talks about like being so smart. I thought it was a little bit interesting that he was as goofy as he was. Yeah. Like you were talking about the goofy move music. And I was like, yeah, that's like how the character is. Yeah. Like he's supposed to be this villain, but he's kind of like, um, I mean, he's living in this underground layer right. basically and but he's like super rich and yeah it's just like well and then later things aren't on going as, pl- as he planned yeah and did you get to the point where they're trying to reprogram the missiles and they keep no. trying to so they keep trying to stop the missiles like stop these missiles okay so they can reprogram them to go to different places whenever they're launched uh, okay. so like the first time he does it like his woman henchman like pretends that she's in a car accident and so all the men stop like all the oh. army men stop and the captain has to give mouth to mouth oh, and make okay. a, a joke out of that and then his dumb henchman mm-hmm. makes a mistake and doesn't do it right okay so like he's like oh you know like <laughs> yeah like, it's just like a like this is right. so frustrating like, right he's almost supposed- like pinky in the brainish right 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 so then like later on like they have to come back and he's hauling like this big like half trailer type of a like a house trailer okay like to put it somewhere so he blocks the road so they can't get the missile through it's just it's kind of goofy right you know and i just thought like it's not like bad like like it's not like bane or like even like zod like i'm trying to think of like more contemporary like villains like they don't act like that no they're like bad mean like evil to the core right and i think that what's happened i think it's it was different it's different now than it was then. I feel like at that point, the idea of a superhero in a superhero movie was still novel enough that mm-hmm. it could still be kind of 
silly. Yeah. And I think that it's evolved past that now, you know, because I think, okay, people were kind of done with, well, this is cute and all, but that's not what happens in real life. Right. And so I think people were like, okay, what would happen if it really had a, re- what would happen if Batman was in a real life situation? Right. Yeah. Or, or Superman or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So like the one thing that I, so I listened to the, um, the soundtrack, just on iTunes, just to try to get yeah. an idea. And so one of the songs on there is called March of Villains. Oh yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Which is the music that's played with when they're trying to take care of these um, missiles. missiles. And if you listen to that song while you're listening to Parade of the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi, okay, the similarities oh, really? are so similar. Huh. It's very similar in how it's like that. Oh yeah, like yeah. that. It's the March of the Villains is has that kind of similar sound and feel to it. Okay. Where it's like you could almost like be a little kid skipping along, right? To it, you know, so it was just kind of funny huh. about how. Well, and that's know. one of the like wonderments of John Williams. Like he, um, he's done so many movies. Right. I don't even know the total amount of movies that he did, but a ton of them. Right. And each one is like there's songs that are similar. Like you can hear. Um, we're gonna be talking about. Um, Indiana Jones in a later episode, I'm right. sure. But me and Mel had watched that for the first time a couple weeks ago, and and like we we're listening to the one song, and I'm like, this sounds so much like like Han and Leia's song. Mm-hmm. It's just like like I can hear John Williams, and it. it's not the same song, mm-hmm. but I can hear that it's the same person that did it because mm-hmm. of like he's done so many different ones, but you can hear parts of his in other songs. Right. Yeah. So it's really no, cool. I definitely did. Like I was like the flying sequence that you're talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I thought was very similar to like Luke and Leia's theme. Okay. And it also was reminiscent of the flying scene in ET when he's on the bike. Uh, okay. Yeah. I haven't it's, seen that one in a long time. I just but. felt like that was, there's there like it has this, it might not be exactly the same melody or things like that, but it has that same feel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I feel like he's, he kind of has an MO, yeah. you know, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Like I feel a lot of times he'll use, strings to set personal tones or okay. themes um yeah like i feel like he did like that flying sequence was all it was almost all like stringed instruments yeah, that's what i was thinking that he uses strings for a lot of like the like um aerial stuff yeah yeah and, and i mean because it has may- sort of that like soaring type of feeling right in the music itself right yeah at least in i would say in star wars and in and in superman in some of the more, I would say, in the adventurous, adventurous movies, yeah, it does. I think in Jaws, he used strings in a completely different yeah. way. Yeah. Which, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about with Superman, but we can move on to Jaws. If you had any other notes. Only well, note, only other note I had was that um, Marlon Brando played Jor-El in this right. movie. Yeah. And according to IMDb, he is... Um, <laughs> According to IMDb, he is the greatest movie actor of all time. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. That's what IMDb said. That's that's a pretty bold statement. Yeah. 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 But, no, I was the only other thing I was going to say is that I felt like, and I think going back to like John Williams' MO is that with this movie and and with Star Wars too, that you just see that he uses the brass section to make things feel so epic and yes. like huge yeah um 
And then when he wants to kind of, and I think that, I feel like that's a probably on purpose, you know, because then when he wants to make it feel intimate and personal, then he uses, uses the strings, strings or yeah. like a woodwind or something yeah. like that. So yeah. it was just kind of interesting to see that you notice that really easy, or I think more so in Star Wars, but it had some of those similarities in Superman yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I was sorry. No, go ahead. I was yeah. gonna say the other thing too. I thought was you talking. We were talking about being like comical or kind mm-hmm. of funny. It reminded me a lot of Tim Burton's Batman. Like I felt like I don't know if you see is that the one with George Clooney? No, it's the one with Michael um, Keaton. My, Michael Keaton. Yeah, with, so that would have been like the eighties. I'm trying to think. Is that the one with the Penguin? With uh, it's the one with the Joker. It's the one with Jack Nicholson as the okay. Joker. I I saw. I've seen them all, but they all get mixed up in my brain. Right. I remember. What's his name as the penguin? Um, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. I remember yeah. him as a penguin. I remember what's his name as uh, Two Face. Um, Tommy Lee. Tommy Jones. Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the one with George Clooney because I think Two Face, Mister Freeze are in the same one. Okay. Um, but Tim Burton's is like the first one that kind of like okay. relaunched Batman. And the only reason I bring that up is because like there's another superhero movie that like the villain is more silly than serious right, right and so like i thought the music for lex luther was more like would fit just as well with yeah. the joker it was just kind of interesting i mean they did come out close to closer to each other but yeah because i think the batman was in the 80s oh was it yeah i haven't seen that i don't think forever but i don't think john williams did the score yeah i don't think so either yeah um Oh, the one other thing about this one, yeah, talk about being comical, was I feel like Clark Kent, especially lately in the movies, he is like he's in like a geek kind of nerd, but in this in this 1978 one, like he's like he's like a bumbling fool almost. Right. Clark Kent is, yeah, and and then Superman comes and he's all like smooth, you know, and yeah. you know he's got the one liners and stuff like that, yeah, and like it makes me wonder which one is clark kent actually yeah, right is he playing for superman or is he playing for clark kent right um yeah i don't know maybe he puts a suit on and he gives him a different whole mindset or something but yeah i think i think the movie to me what what i got like, to answer your question would be i think he's himself as superman okay and i think in and, and you know, we always make the joke that, okay, you put on a pair of glasses and you suddenly don't look like Superman. Right. But you look at him in the movie, like, I I don't know if you remember the scene after the interview and they go flying and then Clark shows up. Uh, I don't, I think like he I showed, ended on the flying. Okay. That's where I stopped. Because then, like, Superman flies away and then Clark shows up for a date that he has with Lois. Uh, okay. Or they're going to dinner or something like that. Okay. And he's like bumbling, you know, he's doing yeah. all those things. And then she goes to, you know, get her sweater or coat or something. He's there by himself. And he, you can see him. He stands up probably another four inches. I was going to say, he's always hunched over yeah. as Clark Kent. Yeah. yeah. He stands up and it's probably like three or four inches taller. His face changes and like everything about him. He like, just like relaxes, it feels like. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, and it is like, oh, wow. It is a lot different. Yeah. Like, and like Clark Kent is like one of those guys like when he's in like the news station or the whatever um like you wouldn't even like know he's there right like he's always like getting pushed like back 
behind doors right. and against walls and right. like people like don't even like elevator doors him. are closing on it. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you wouldn't even like think twice about this guy being Superman. Right. Because it it's such a different thing. Yeah. It's yeah. actually one of the few uh, as I'm thinking through the different portrayals of Clark Kent and Superman is probably one of the more believable ones right. that this charade works yeah. because they are two starkly different people. Right. You know, yeah. so like, cause I think the Henry Cavill or how Cavill, how do you say his name? Cavill. Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, he's like, he literally only puts on glasses because right. like when he plays Clark Kent, he's still a pretty confident guy. Right. You yeah. know, whereas like, you know, Christopher Reeve, Clark, Clark Kent is not. So, yeah. 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 Even like the difference between like, I would say Smallville when he like later becomes like Superman, it's just like, I couldn't get that far. <laughs> when he becomes the red and blue blur, <laughs> red and blue blur, blue and blue blur, blue blur. Yeah. But anyway, he's just like, she can tell us. <laughs> he's just like the same person. Like, I mean, he's different because he's like, he's like a farm boy compared to Superman, but he's not like a bumbling fool. Right. When he's Clark Kent. Right. But anyways. Yep. All right. So now, um, since we mentioned it, let's talk about Jaws some. Okay. So Jaws came out in 1975. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg was a director. Yep. And uh, so here's a tagline. some Or three different tag, four different taglines that came out when the movie was coming out. Okay. On the 4th of July, fishing season will open on you. <laughs> dun, dun, or dun, 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 dun. <laughs> when the beach is open this summer, you will be taken. <laughs> if you want to survive fishing season, don't go in the water. And then this one, which is probably the truest for guacamole, <laughs> you'll never go in the water again. <laughs> um, and at the box office, the budget was $7 million. Um, opening, That's it? Yeah. Because there's even, like, well, maybe Richard Dreyfuss wasn't a big name. Yeah, I don't think he was back then. Yeah. Um, opening weekend, the USA made $7 million. Um, so they made all their money back in the first weekend. I'm sure that felt good. <laughs> yeah. uh, gross US uh, 260 million and worldwide gross 470 million. Okay. So, did pretty so about good. 160 million better than Superman did. Right? Yes. Yep. Um, and the very first thing I always think of with this movie is when we went out west and we rented this RV. Okay. And in the RV was Jaws like the cassette okay somebody who had used it before had left it there okay we didn't own the movie but it was in there so me and molly watched it okay because remember we had that video or the the tv that had like the vhs and the dvd in it right did it have both of them 
Or did it just have the VHS? And I remember we, we, we had, had PlayStation one. hooked up to it. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably our DVD player. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so me and Molly watched it, and then she was scared to go into the water. The rest, <laughs> we're going out west and going to all these beaches, and we watched Jaws. And they're like, "Is it true that that most shark attacks happen within ten feet from the beach and the three foot of water?" And once Molly heard that, she still to the, to this day does not go in the water at the ocean. <laughs> we were just at the beach earlier this summer right and uh rylan asked her to go into the water with her she's like well i don't really go into the water <laughs> i guess she, I she said she does water. in in florida where it's a little more clear yeah and she can see what's happening she wants to see the shark attacker <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i was thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i want to be like that like the 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 woman who gets dragged under which oh. I, I have the, the like the very beginning <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean she's like I mean, I mean, she's like pushed all around the water. I know. Like she's just like, I, I do have to laugh. Because, I mean, not that it's it's bad, you know, like CGI or anything. I mean, because I think bad CGI is worse than what this was. It was oh just, yeah, it's just funny to see. It doesn't look totally real seeing mm-hmm. her dragged back. And oh forth. yeah, it's like, like, that's not how yeah. it would work. <laughs> yeah, it's but like, it's just interesting. Later, you see the shark, and it's like eating a boat, you know, yeah. and you see its mouth is like three foot wide, right? right. But earlier, like it's taking this girl and just like dragging her across the top of the water right. i'm like okay that's like a dolphin would do that you know what i mean yeah. it's like not like a huge shark like <laughs> right, that right. um but it's i was surprised especially with that scene and all the gory scenes that came after that one that the movie is pg right and i remember we talked about before how the was it the r rating came up from what movie was that temple no. of doom temple of doom. pg-13 pg-13 came yep. from temple of doom yeah was r so r was before that they are yeah it went, okay. P, went it went g pg then r okay and then the so yeah this that. wasn't didn't didn't merit an r rating right but i mean she's naked topless <laughs> in that scene um but it's and then, in the back right and it's dark <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like the one time i said something to jason about uh a, we were watching fast and furious yeah and mia takes her top off right. and you just see her back and i'm like right. oh <laughs> and jason goes everybody has a back right yeah it's like oh, that's true <laughs> well you know we could get go down a whole different line there with <laughs> regarding the front because yeah. there's all sorts of talk about whether or not that's should be an oh issue. yeah so yeah anyways anyways digress. we don't need to get into that <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about music yes <laughs> uh let's see what else do i have some other things about the movie itself yeah um well, actually, the main title, the main Jaws theme, this is what I have here. I found online, and okay. it's hard for me to believe. You can't believe everything online. I know. It's hard <laughs> for me to believe. The main title made number 32 on the Billboard Top 100. Oh, really? Yeah. That's like, means it like plays on the radio and stuff. Right. Like, that's a weird song to play on the radio. Let's see, 1975. I feel like, you know, there yeah. would have been some bands that could have been putting out good music, too. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> come on, Boston Eagles. You yeah. You, you hear Freebird, and then the next song is the Jaws theme. Jaws theme. <laughs> Coming up after the break, we have the Jaws theme. It's like, oh, yeah, everyone gather around. <laughs> We're doing the sock hop to the Jaws theme. I don't know what they did. Dances in 75. But I think the sock hop was a little bit earlier. Earlier than that, yeah. But yeah, that could be 74. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was 74 was when the sock hop ended. Um, and the other, my other main note from this movie is, have you seen, have you seen um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Yes. Did you think about any correlation between the mayor of Swallow Falls and the mayor of what is the name of this town? Oh, I can't remember. 
Oh, I, for, I forgot. You didn't, you didn't watch it well, recently. Well, I've seen it, but... Yeah, but I, you haven't watched it recently. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the mayor is like... He's basically the... the Other than the shark, he's like the villain of the movie. Yeah, because he... Because he... The sheriff wants to keep closing the beaches. Right. And the mayor's like, no, it's this is our tourist time of the year. Right. And then people keep coming. Yeah. And then people keep getting eaten. And then people keep blaming the sheriff. We, meanwhile, the mayor wants to keep opening the beaches. But it reminded me a lot of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And I think the mayor has to be like inspired by based or influenced by based off of that other mayor because it's the same thing and cloudy with a chance of meatballs are like we need to shut down the town right. you know we need to get this taken care of and he's like no we'll make it into a theme park and right. like, we'll have all these people come and then the twister attacks everybody and yeah anyways this, i thought that was, was funny spaghetti question. twister spaghetti twister yes yeah. Nice. yeah yeah that's right and then like everybody's like making boats out of a big piece of toast to escape that's right and <laughs> he goes on his like power his little rascal scooter like drives onto the first boat and just like tips over and starts eating <laughs> eating the boat well, anyways um it's been but, a, i need to watch that again it's yeah, been a long time that's a good one we yeah, watch it, it a lot it so. um but yeah the theme i think everybody pretty much knows it it's those two notes and it goes faster and faster and faster right um which we were talking right before we started how i during the movie i was like oh i don't hear that like Bottom, and then the pause bottom mm-hmm. um but then i listened to the theme i was like oh yeah it is there but like in the movie i'm thinking about like oh all you hear is a da 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 where it like is really fast yeah um and it's i was like oh yeah it does like have that build up it was i probably wasn't even like thinking about the music because like you see like they like show all the people's like legs in the water and you hear like da da mm-hmm. and then like it like shows them above the water and then you probably hear the next and you're mm-hmm. under the water again right um because it's a lot of like over the water under the water right. like what the shark might see first what people see back and forth yeah and then the shark attack happens and it's like really fast which is pretty good yeah. no i i do remember that actually i remember how and i you know when you listen to the music without the the visual mm-hmm. you know it it does sound ominous but then when you're seeing like the and you're like below the water and then you're yeah. above and then you're and you're below yeah. again like oh well that's pretty clever right way to kind of create um you're not really showing anything interesting you're right. just kind of showing legs, legs kicking click, yeah and you're just, you have these two notes but you know based on earlier in the movie what that means right you know, it's like yeah so creating that intensity is pretty impressive and you know i just I, it's it's just, I don't know. I would be curious to know what inspired that. Yeah. You know, how did, and maybe he's, I'm sure somebody's asked him along the way. So it'd be interesting to try to research and see how he's answered that. But yeah. What made well, you think two notes is going to be a way to build yeah. suspense? And I was just and, looking at something here. Um, well, what you, said, what you said earlier it made me think of something. I, I thought that it was interesting how. Um, that bottom is so recognizable. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, it's almost like a quote, like a movie right, quote. Right, right. Um, but everybody gets it wrong, like because it's like everybody thinks it's like bottom, bottom. But it, there is a really big pause. Oh yeah, it's a long and it's, pause, and it's like really soft. Yeah, like at in, the beginning. Yeah, like like the way everybody you would think is like this big, loud, ominous sound, right. but it's like really soft. Like the Inception, kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like so. I just thought that's interesting, you know, because it reminded me a little bit of the, you know, 
I am your father quote. Mm-hmm. You know, people like, get it wrong. They get it wrong. Yeah. And it's, it's an intense moment, but it's not like shouted at him or right. like, you know, it's just almost like conversational, right. but it's taking it. It's gone to a whole yeah. different level. This is kind of interesting. Yeah. And I thought it was like, like I said, I didn't even like think about it there. I think it was just like, it was so soft. Like you were saying that it was like, it was building the suspense within me without me even like thinking about the tones being there. Right. And, yeah. and like, it's just like weird how like the only time I thought about the music was when the shark attack is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And I, for, I didn't even realize like that probably was like making my like blood pressure go up as I was hearing it. But my mind wasn't even like thinking about the notes I was hearing. Right. Well, it's I, like just like low enough and soft enough that's like could be in the background almost. Right. Well, yeah. you know, and that's, I think that there's, there's something to that because like, you know, the music company Muzak. Uh-huh. Creates, it creates like elevator music and mo- okay. music that you hear in the stores. Okay. Like I read a book where the the one of the head guys from that company said that if you walk out of the store with a song stuck in your head and you don't know why, it we did our job. Oh, okay. Because like they want that tune in your head. Yeah. Like the the point is is that you. That you hear the music. Oh, but you're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. Right. You know, because what they're trying to do is create this. um, I mean, in in department stores, they're trying to create a feeling where you are excited to buy something. Right. You know, and in this movie, obviously, it's to make a feeling of dread. Right. They wouldn't play this music in a store. Not normally. No. (laughs) The only, some of the things that I thought about as I was listening or. like like you said, I didn't get to watch the movie, but I've seen most of it, and I was listening to the score again today. And what I noticed was that this was a different kind of movie than mm-hmm. Star Wars and Superman. Yeah, less epic feeling, right? For sure. And there's like, and I thought that he used the same. I mean, you hear a lot of the same. Um, well, obviously, you hear the same instruments, but he used them differently. Like I thought that. You know, we talked about strings being part of a personal, mm-hmm. you know, thing, uh, moment that's happening. But strings and jaws were to create anxiety and yeah. fear, you yeah. know, because they have a lot of those like, like, you know, like high pitched, high pitched yeah. or like just kind of like the bow string going across right. the, the strings really quickly. Um, but then on, you know, like, like the brass, we talked about brass making things feel big and epic. Um, like the one, the one scene where they're all playing on the beach, and it's like kind of a fun, mm-hmm. happy thing. That's brass playing, like it's kind oh, of like a right. almost like a carnival type right, yeah. sound, you know. And so it was like he almost like flipped it on its head in how he used those instruments in the, his other movies. Well, so. and then so when we were watching it, I was watching it with Melody, and um, I got to the part where it's the three guys out in the water chasing the shark, and right. like they he's got them hooked up to the barrels, and the shark's running away, and they're like. It's almost like um, it changes to like this like adventurous music. I don't know. I didn't look at the soundtrack to see what the music it which song it is. Right. But it's like very like almost like piratey kind of like upbeat mm-hmm. um, type. And it's just interesting to see the clash between then when the shark comes back again, it's back to that old like music, like scary, ominous music. Right. Um, but for a short minute there, it's like they're having like, they're like, oh man, we're like going to catch this thing. We're going to catch right. this thing. And then it turns around and the shark attacks them and it's right. like totally different. Right. Well, and I think that the, I, when I made the note I made around that, that particular part was that you can, you, what I heard was like a whole bunch of like 
people just trying, like freaking out, trying to like, like everything that they planned is going wrong and they're trying oh. to quickly fix everything. Right. And so yeah. like the music is like all this like crazy, like, and, like right, right. And like, I can just see them like trying, like, scrambling. like frantically yeah. trying to, yeah, scrambling yeah. or whatever. So it was just, I thought it was interesting how, um, having not seen the movie recently, I can still kind of picture that scene in my mind. Yeah. And like what's going on just by the music. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's see. Oh, uh, yeah, there yeah. was, I found like a list of like 10, like interesting things about John Williams. And the one said the distinctive two note shark theme from Jaws was played on a tuba. Though the musician who performed it, Tommy Johnson questioned why it wasn't played on the more suitable French horn. William replied that he wanted it to sound a little more threatening. Mm. So I don't know why it would normally be, be played on the French horn, maybe the range of the note, I don't know. Um, But uh, when Williams first demonstrated the deceptively simple idea to Spielberg, he is believed to have laughed and thought it was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think that, again, I I don't think that when you first hear it, you think, oh, that's like ominous. Right. But when you start to hear it, as it starts to get much quicker. Right, right. It's almost like it, it's almost like, I wonder if he knew that that beat was almost like it was only like a heartbeat. Right. You know, like, yeah, because it is. Right. And then you give it a couple of ticks, maybe. And then you kind of enough to kind of. So it gets your own as a viewer. It gets your own heart. Right. Pumping when it goes fast. Yeah. And then it starts getting and then you're like, I think it does kind of make your heart kind of go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, the other thing I thought was interesting, again, since I was listening to it, I was able to see the, the title tracks. So the one was called Man Against Beast. So I think it's okay. when they were first, when you're talking about the barrels and things yeah. like that. Um, it it sounded and felt similar to when the X-Wings are flying through the, the um, Death Star Canyon. Oh, uh, okay. The um, trench run. Yeah, it it sounded very similar to the trench run. Okay. Um, I just thought that that was kind of interesting because, of course, it's like a this different is version bef- of man. Oh, yeah, this is before. This yeah. is before, so he hasn't, you know. So I just thought that that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, I wonder if he had some of those same thoughts and feelings whenever he was composing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a perfect lead into Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars came out in 1977. Director George Lucas. Uh, the budget was 11 million. Not a whole Man. lot. Not a whole lot. <laughs> like nowadays, you can't even get actors. Yeah, to you do can't that. pan it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, opening weekend, the U.S. did 1 million, which isn't a whole lot. No. But also, nobody like knew of it opening weekend. Um, how and many then, did it? Do you know how many theaters it opened in? I want to say it's like. It's either high teens or low twenties. I, I wonder if it was like a arts 
Like, like, I know that some like movies... he was having a hard time getting people to open it. Yeah. Uh, or to op- like to have the movie. Yeah. Um, but then I remember reading at one point that it had stayed in theaters. Some theaters kept it up to 18 months <laughs> from when it came out. <laughs> like, that's absurd. That is just like, ridiculous. If I don't have the movie on Netflix in 18 months... <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> if I don't have it in 18 days, it's yeah. just too long. <laughs> yeah, but people were still going to watch it 18 months later in the theater, well, which is kind of cool. But it is. I mean, they didn't have any other way to do it. Yeah, that's true. Well, they had the movie coming out, the actual VHS. No, VHS didn't come out till like the mid 80s. Well, how did people view it then? Wait for the TV. Hmm. Hmm. I think. I think that was really the only way. Laser disc. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Um, and so gross U.S. made four hundred and sixty million, and worldwide gross seven hundred and seventy-five million. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this movie is what I would say is where I learned who John Williams was. Right. I I don't know if I I might have seen other of his movies before this. I'm thinking maybe E.T. I saw before this, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know. I mean, I know the music of E.T. now. Right. But back then, I didn't care about music. But I remember like Star Wars is where like. I think the move music made the movie. Honestly, I, I, I think you're right. And yeah. that, that was actually one of the notes that I made as I was listening, as I was kind of like listening to it again. Was yeah. like, would this movie have felt as big if yeah. it wasn't for the score? Yeah, because I don't know that it would have. Now, obviously, you know, George Lucas did a lot of cutting edge things to make right. the movie, but also the music was, I feel. Very much integral yeah, to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> Sorry. We Earlier we were talking about, you, me and you before we recorded, we were talking about rankings of these movies uh, mm-hmm. by the American Film Institute. Right. Um, according to my research, <laughs> the American Film Institute selected this score as the greatest movie score of all time. Okay. A New so, Hope or just a Star new hope. Wars? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so I thought that was pretty impressive. Also, the Library of Congress entered Star Wars sound, the Star Wars soundtrack into the National Recording Registry for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So that is impressive. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably John Williams' highest accolade, I would say. Yeah, if you can get into that sort of like, I affected you know human culture this much mm-hmm. by making music. I mean, right. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, almost as impressive as like. I can't remember that song. Oh man, happy. No, that K-pop song. The Whoopum Gangnam Style. Yeah, Gangnam Style. Yes. So him and Psy from Gangnam Style. <laughs> They're on the same playing field. But I, um, I mean, yeah. like along those lines, though, you know, I, I think that we don't necessarily give movie composers the same recognition that we that composers did in the in years past like yeah. I, I don't think we think about john williams being uh, the same thing as beethoven oh, or yeah. bach or mozart yeah, do and they I'm, teach john williams like in music class in school do they teach about john williams uh, i don't i don't know but yeah. I, like i think about you know if you're in music class and you're kind of learning general music education especially you know not like pop music you're talking about um orchestral music or right. things like that you have to believe that there's that you that movie composers would be the 20 20th century version of yeah of classical uh, of classical music yeah. you know because like in 100 or 200 years 
you have to think that that's what people are going to refer back to. Oh, yeah. You know, like back when Beethoven and Bach and Mozart and all those, you know, all those guys, they had like, they had wealthy people paying for them to create this music. Yeah. And it was a different, that was the only thing they did. Well, right. this is one of the only thing, this is right. what John Williams does, right. you know? So I feel like it, there's a lot of similarities, but because it's part of a pop, pop culture, mm-hmm. um, media, you know, or, or medium, it gets discounted a little bit. Yeah, I don't I know that. So. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's viewed differently from classical music connoisseurs, but you know what I mean? Like people right. that would study it. I, I think that this movie, well, I'm not like a huge uh, buff on this, but I would say that before this movie, I don't know of any soundtracks that were this epic, but I haven't watched a ton of movies before this. Sure. But I feel like since then, it's this has kind of been like the... What do you call it? Like we want to, we want like any movie since then. People are like, if we want it to sound epic, we want it to have this sort of same sound that John Williams did back in 1977. Yeah, um, it's kind of set like the what do they call that? The, the bar. The bar. So, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I think I don't know if that's true, but that's what I feel like. No, it'd um, be it would be interesting to kind of talk to, um, like mom and dad or you know people who would have gone to. I've seen movies prior to right. like 70, 75, you know, and see how they remember movie soundtracks. Cause yeah. I feel like now we are a lot more, I feel like I am a lot more aware of, of the music, right. you know, like, and, and it's definitely continued on. You think about, okay, there's a reason in infinity war that when captain America shows up for the first time on screen again, they play the Avengers theme. Right. You know, like there's there's these things that kind of create that were created from that point in time, I would say. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So And I don't know if it was I mean, I guess in Jaws some you have the like you were talking about how there's character themes. Right. Which I'd almost call I guess they call the Jaws main theme, but like I would say that's the shark's theme. It is, yeah. Because yeah. you you I was I would I think as as I listened to the soundtrack, I could always tell when the shark was attacking. Right, because you could it, hear that. You could hear that. And yeah. I don't know if that's something that John Williams started. I don't know, but I just think it's interesting. I mean, I've mostly looked at Star Wars, and you have, you know, even the beginning, you have uh, Luke and Leia and Yoda, and then, you know, like Race Theme. I love Race Theme. Yeah. And there's other good songs, like I like Across the Stars and Duel the Fates. Right. But you, you hear that, um, that just a few notes of Race Theme, and I like picture her on a piece of metal sliding down like a big sand hill. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just like, I only have to hear like four notes. Right. And I think of that movie right right there. And even in the original one, I, it's not called Luke's theme. And I don't know why. It's called Binary Suns or Binary the Force Sun, theme. Yeah. Um, Binary Sunset, I think. Yeah. Or, and like, Binary, yeah. yeah, you like, you just hear <clears> just a little bit and you can picture Luke standing on the ridge looking out. Right. And I think you've done your job when you can, you don't have to watch the movie. You just hear the soundtrack. If you want to feel the way you felt when you watch the movie, you just listen to the soundtrack and you can see it in your head. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, yeah, you have, uh, that was, those were some of the things that I picked out. It was interesting to listen to, um, the, the track where Tantive, the Tantive four or five or whatever yeah. is getting boarded by, um, Darth Vader. Cause it's like, big and you know mm-hmm. bold because it's like the empire the right. empire is definitely like all like the brass and everything yeah and then there's like a quick cut and it's to 
Leia's theme whenever she's like popping in and out, right. you know, with R2, you know, right. doing things like that. So it's like two foot long pistol. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't even, does she, oh, she does fire at once. Yeah. yeah. She's like pops out from the wall and pops back. Yeah, in. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. like, you know, and I was like, I was listening to it. I was like, oh yeah. Okay. And then it, like, there's a couple other times where it cut in and it's like, oh, so like that's when she puts the disc in, you right. know, and you see right. her record. Like in, yeah, like, and maybe it's because we've watched it, you yeah. know, yeah. eight dozen times, but right. Um, I but I still think that the music is what helps you. It helps me, anyways, remember oh, yeah. the different sequences. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was thinking about that, like, even I've been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, you can pretty much just listen to the Hamilton soundtrack and you hear the movie because it's so much singing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm that same way when I listen to the Star Wars soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's like I have all the same feelings that I felt. While watch while I watch the movie, right? But I can do it while I'm at work or, right? You know, whatever I'm doing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I listen. I have John Williams channel on my Pandora yeah. um, account, and I like to listen to that. I used to when we have when we didn't have a dishwasher and I had to wash everything by hand. I would always listen to that, and Aaron would always laugh at me <laughs> because, like, she's like, because it, I mean it. it it's is such epic music so right. it's like it's like it's, it's like that video did i send you that tiktok uh of the guy doing the dishes to or making breakfast to hans Zimmer. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he yes. did another one where he does the dishes <laughs> yeah. And yeah 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 that's right. yeah sorry you did send that to me no yeah. i i agree like sometimes it's like like i'll be at work and i'm just listening i'll just be listening to john williams that that channel and it's like it it, it kind of makes you feel good like yeah and yeah. like and uh so yeah but i've had the same thing at work where i'm listening to it and then other people walk by who aren't star wars fans and they're like what are you listening to <laughs> classical music I'm like no it's no. not classical <laughs> no this is epic <laughs> this is my epic soundtrack mix that's right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um we talked earlier about the billboard top 100 yeah apparently this song made number 10 in the billboard top 100 the main theme the of, main theme yeah, the main theme made top 10 or made number 10 in the top 100. Well, what was the other one you said? The Jaws theme. Yeah, it got like uh, 40 something. 30, see, 32. Like Star Wars I can get because that was like a huge cultural right. phenomenon. But get this. Um, th- um, uh, wow. Excuse me. <laughs> one of John Williams' songs made number one on the top 100. Okay. And it was from a 70s movie. Can you guess what it is? We didn't, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's not one of the three we're talking about, obviously. Ooh, another 70s. The only one I can think of, other one I can think of is Close Encounters. Yeah, that's that one. The main theme for Close Encounters. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know that I've, I like. I was like, wow, really? Top 100? Like, that's supposed to be like pop music, I feel like, normally. Um, and I went to go listen to it. I'm like, I don't like even know this song. Like, <laughs> it's like, Really? It's like, I mean, I, I guess I know it a little bit, but it's like very like sci-fi. Like, right. Right, that type of like, thing, almost like Star Trekky. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I can't imagine hearing this on the radio and be like, yeah, play that one again. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I think what we could take for granted now is just the plur plur proliferation. Wow, you're, you're just the- making up words. Now. <laughs> all words are made up. <laughs> all, all words are made up. Um, just the amount of music that we have now. Oh it's yeah. Like I, I thought it was always funny. It's like. Join Amazon Music and have access to 16 million songs. <laughs> yeah. Join it's like, Pandora. wow, do I need to listen to that many yeah. songs? <laughs> like, I remember one of my iPod could fit like 
fits 280 songs. I was like, wow, I have like 13 songs. Yeah. I can download so many more. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, I... Um, so it was it was funny to to listen to to this and try and remember all the different parts of of where the move of where it was in the movie mm-hmm. because for whatever reason the soundtrack is not in chronological order. So, like, it's not it, when, the throne the room one, is the last one, isn't it? It is okay, um, yeah. but like number three is. Ben dying TIE fighter attack. Oh. <laughs> it's like, that's not the third. Yeah, so it's weird. like before binary sun. And it and might be that, you know, when they film it, they don't film it in order. So they probably didn't score it in order. Yeah. So this could be whatever way he scored it in. It, it could. Yeah. I just, yeah. For, for whatever reason, it wasn't. But I if mean, you listen on the right shuffle, then it's in order. On the right shuffle. <laughs> yeah. You have to shuffle it correctly. You <laughs> yeah, mean? Just have to, shuffle it to see if it plays through the right way. <laughs> I got the perfect shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep listening to it right over and over again um but like the some of the things that stuck out to me was the jawas theme quote unquote okay um was very similar i thought to the theme of lux luther it was kind of like that oh, silly right. kind of oh, bouncy okay. kind of a sound you right. know that makes sense um so that was kind of that was kind of interesting um and then like the sand people has like what well, it felt like the same music that I heard from Black Panther. I just actually okay. watched that movie recently like, with the drums and okay. you right, know, right, it had right. a very African feel to it, which I right. thought was, I think they were just trying to find a, a desert sound, right? You yeah. know, or something that people would equate to a desert sound for the sand people. Right. You know, so I thought that that was interesting. Yeah. I never um, thought about that, but yeah. And then, like, again, like in Superman, again, the strings were all about the relationships. Right. You know, about, or about people's themes, you know, mm-hmm. very personal. Except for one scene where... In, in Superman or here? In Star Wars. Okay. There's one scene where he uses strings in a very, like, anxiety-inducing way. And I wonder if what scene you could be... Um, you could be. I don't know. No? I don't know. The trash compactor scene. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So like, I have to listen to the music again. That was the one where they was like where they were playing the, the high notes, not, really, yeah, really quick. High, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that <laughs> was interesting. <laughs> They're dying. Oh no! Where can he be? <laughs> I always I remember watching that scene and it's like. Why is he talking into his thumb? Yes, I was like, yeah, he's like holding it. Yeah, <laughs> you mean C three PO or Luke? Luke, because uh, oh, okay, yeah. I think it looked like this yeah. glove from the oh, stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, or, or Storm, yes. stormtrooper. Okay, not clone troopers. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> or what are they called then in Force Awakens? They, uh, they storm the first order troopers. They okay. first order. Yeah, yeah. Can they? I heard an interesting theory about that. No. About all the defectors from the first order okay are uh force sensitive well i think that makes sense because they they kind of alluded that to that with um finn he meets janna 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 yeah and she said like all the people that were with her she's like it just felt like it wasn't the right thing right and right finn's like that's the force right yeah 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 but so anyways not to get us too far down a rabbit hole but yeah what happened to all of the clones did they just I, I think they just as they die off they just replace them with other people oh 
So but they like, had another one million well on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so they had like a ton of them. Well, yeah. But I assume that at some point someone stopped funding it and they stopped making the clones. And so then as the clones died, they just replaced them. But they were How many years was, was there between? I imagine that some of the first stormtroopers were clones. You would you don't see you any. You think so because it, yeah. the, my I mean if I understand it the first order was didn't the first order grow out of um, like a gang that kind of kept assuming all like the hmm. the relics I thought it was like almost what's the what's the one from Solo the red Crimson Dawn yeah Crimson Dawn oh. I thought it was like a like a inner like a big gang or whatever like a well, a gang. That Loris Hantekin guy at the beginning of Force Awakens says right. that the First Order rose from the dark side. So right. I imagine it's Snoke doing something. Yeah, I just thought it was... It, I thought, which Palpatine, I guess, doing something. Right. Yeah. I thought it was... Maybe I maybe this is, this is a fan theory that I read that what happened was that Snoke became the leader of one of those... Um, Guild... Uh, yeah, what do they call them? Yeah, but yeah, there was One like the smugglers' guilds or whatever, yeah. and slowly but surely took over every single one and became a monopoly, became the only one. And then he was powerful enough; he had enough resources to then, when the emperor fell, that he was able to then pick up all the pieces from that. Well, that's like what Maul was doing in Crimson Dawn, right? Because like they have uh, all the um, other things, like the pikes and um, the. Technic, what are the, what's the like robot guys like the technical guild right the, <laughs> whatever yeah. something the techno like girl. yeah the techno guild or yeah. whatever they're like another clan and then there's the right. huts and like yeah but the huts aren't a part of it because they say we can't go there it's owned by the huts and they, right. oh no they do have an alliance with the huts uh i, th- I think the pikes didn't anyways or, yeah. so i think crimson dawn was trying to get all these what's the word for those guys um yeah all these like basically Clans bad guys or, yeah, under yeah. underneath the thing because yeah. In um, the end of Clone Wars, they show Darth Maul having like a meeting with like all right, like all the right. leaders of them. Yeah, and you see, um, what's his face from a Knight's Tale? Uh, Vision. Ledger. Vision. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's his name in uh, Bettany? John Bettany. Yeah, but what's what's his name in Solo? <laughs> Good grief! It's getting too late. Um, what's it? Voss, Dryden Voss, Dryden Voss. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Whew. Whew. pull that one out, and that has to do with John Williams. <laughs> yes, <laughs> without John Williams, we wouldn't be talking about Dryden Voss, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, not. I don't have too much to say about Star Wars other than that. Um, other than pretty much it sparked my love for John Williams. Yeah. Um, and all the music like that. Like, I don't think I would appreciate music in movies if it wasn't for John Williams. I don't know. Like, right. I love other ones that aren't John Williams. Some of them are inspired by John Williams, like the Rogue One soundtrack and the Solo mm-hmm. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I think even the Solo one is John. It's like it says uh, like John ins- Powell. Powell, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's like inspired by right, um, and then Michael Giacchino. Um, mm-hmm. It's like this sounds like right. people just like listen to John Williams and put their own little spin on it, right. and it sounds awesome. But like even like James Horner is one I really like. Obviously yeah. Hans Zimmer, right? Um, but well, I think yeah. Giacchino, didn't he, is he the one that did um, a lot of the McU? Um, oh, did he? I, th- I think so. I think he did a, like oh. Marvel. Um, see, that when when we went to go see Avengers, 
Infinity or Endgame. I was like, oh, I want to get like psyched up. I don't want to listen to like Avengers music, yeah. you know? And like on the way there, I'm like, oh, the Avengers have like one theme song and it's like 17 seconds long. Right. I and mean, I'm it, like, okay, well, this isn't like really what I was hoping for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, but, I think you can. I, I think if you like, I, there's actually a lot that came across my station on Pandora whenever. Yeah. It's probably oh, just Alan Silvestri. Oh, yeah. 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 He did. He's done a lot with the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Alan with one L. With one L. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, anything else, Dad? Um, for Star Wars? What, let's just say, what's our favorite Star Wars A New Hope song? Um, you have to look at a list. Can you remember? The uh, New Hope song, I, I think, like you said, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's actually on the, the score soundtrack, but like the binary, mm-hmm. that that's one that I always have liked. Yeah, if you um, go like on Spotify, I go to a New Hope soundtrack, there's nothing called Binary Sons or the Force theme. Right. But if I f- search Binary Sons, Binary Sunset, right, Force theme, and then I can play it. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Right. Uh but yes, that was probably my favorite one. Well, I think the one that I was listening to was the original score soundtrack. Right. So I think that that uh, again was probably a little bit different. Um, but that's one that I always like because, like you said, when you hear it, you're taken to that epic shot of Luke looking yeah. at the suns and everything. And it's just, you know, it it was really, uh, in my opinion, one of the best um uh, meshing or coming together of music and visual yeah. you know because i feel like the music was saying just as much as the picture was yeah. you know and like you could and that same like imagery is used like throughout like they keep referring to luke as in like looking to the horizon like he's not right. paying attention like where yoda, you are yeah <laughs> what you were doing <laughs> yeah like yoda says it and yoda says it to him again in the last jedi right um yeah so i just like like how they keep mentioning it right right um yeah um yeah i it, it this you know it's just very i i have always appreciated the different kind of themes that you can find that they're consistently done and maybe we'll and we've talked about this too when we've kind of uh with rise of skywalker and the way that you know they were able to mix that in. So it was like something mm-hmm, that was written right. in 1977 still. And, and even some of the later ones, because obviously Return of the Jedi was kind of integral to rise of Skywalker that it, it still fit and it, it didn't, it wasn't forced and it just brought back all of those feelings, right. you know, like, and so I just think it's pretty neat how those different, uh, those things and maybe he didn't put a whole lot of thought to it maybe he didn't know how important it was yeah. going to be but there's no way it could have been. yeah but uh, you know like you can see that he did it with some intention but i think that it has really grown into yeah. something that's really I special if, i wonder if he's ever thought like well if i knew it's gonna be this popular i would have changed this i would have had this right. note variation instead of this one yeah interesting to be in his mind yeah one thing i thought of with star wars we mentioned the other ones have like jaws the jaws theme is like pretty like recognizable the superman theme is pretty recognizable but i feel like the star wars theme you just hear that first note from the main thing that bah, 
And yeah. people are like, oh, it's Star Wars. Star like, Wars. Like yeah. people who don't know Star Wars, haven't watched Star Wars, right. don't care about Star Wars, they still know what that right. note means. Right. Um, where is it? If you're listening to the Superman theme, you might be like, I know this, but I can't remember what it's from or I can't right. pick it out. But if it's Star Wars, you know it. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that that was something that um, is part of the reason that this particular score has received all of the yeah um, adulation that it has. You know, that's, yeah. the, that's the reason that it's in, Cong- in Congress. Library of Congress. Congress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Library yeah. of Congress. So, um, yeah. Awesome. I was going to say the one last thing. Yeah. That, you know, how I, we've talked about how different music has these signature sounds. Like DC Talk, it's, you know, Kevin right. Max. You right. Know, it's yeah. not DC Talk if it doesn't have Kevin Max. Right. Yeah. And we talked about that one <laughs> sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, you know, whenever I hear that, it's like, oh, it's Star Wars, yeah. you know, like, not that it, I wouldn't notice it, but I just thought it was interesting how a simple little sound yeah. can be so Star Wars. And then you like, tr- like watch like a little documentary about like Ben Burt and like how he put like, he's like the sound designer, uh-huh. you know, from the original one. Okay. And like he took these 18 different sounds and put them together yeah. for this like three second noise. And I'm like, how does he even know? It's like an, an elephant squeal and a door closing and a diesel engine and it's like you put all these noises together and I it know. makes just like one noise i'm like who would have even thought to put these noises together it's i just, know yeah that's but um that's like in the movie but even what's the one song we were listening to it's like incorporated in the song mm-hmm. so you can like you hear the song and you think of the movie again and one of those like association things right yeah 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 no i think it's um yeah, the, I mean, outside of the composer, I do think that the sound engineer is one of those people that you don't think about, right? But it's so, so important to a movie, especially back then. Like, yeah, there wasn't like digital, like you can't. There's not like different tracks you like lay on top of each other. It's like all like actual like w- ribbon or whatever they right. had for tape, right? And they had to like play them over top of each other onto like another tape and then like right yeah it's just like crazy how they had to do it back then when i remember hearing i, I don't remember what this was for but i remember saying that they the sound didn't actually turn out right until it was the tape was so worn that it didn't it oh. didn't sound the way that it was originally did and that was the sound that they wanted right you know yeah. and so it's just you're right it's all the the way that sound was done so mechanically yeah you know it right. was it made it a lot more of a art than a science oh yeah you know, for just, sure yeah yeah so yeah now just a couple button clicks and you can get darth vader's voice right you know what i mean yeah this is like crazy what you had to do back then right compared to what you have to do now agreed so. yeah cool 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 very cool um so we have the uh let's do the fact of the okay. podcast we would be honored if you would join us but i was going into tashi station to pick up some power converters as you so John Williams holds the record for the highest grossing instrumental only soundtrack album of all time for the 1977 Star Wars. Okay. Um, a further six of Williams scores are certified gold by the record industry, uh, meaning they have sold over 500,000 copies of instrumental music. That seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is kind of like an aside to that. Also, John Williams' favorite Star Wars character is Yoda. Okay. So Yoda's not in. A new hope, but it's true. We'll let that. I could have saved that fact for the next one, but we'll, we'll just add it in this one. But that's pretty cool. That's right. Empire Strikes Back sneaks into the 80s, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yep. So next, if we talk about the 80s, we'll have to decide if we pick two Star Wars movies and a different movie <laughs> or if we do, if we leave out a Star Wars movie. Uh, you know? Yeah. Maybe we just do Star Wars in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do that for the next one. Um, And I'd like to do a quick shout out to my patrons. I have uh, big thank yous to Tim Smith, Valerie Winters, Dan Bendit, Mats Faruli, uh, Ali Heron, Tyler Gaiman, Casey Winters, Jamie Radcliffe, and our newest member, our newest uh, supporter, Melissa Schlosser, and Matt's favorite supporter, Aaron Lehman. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Um, we did a t-shirt and notebook and sticker giveaway, um, and uh, you guys helped contribute to that, so I really appreciate that and all nice. the support you guys give. Um, and uh, let's wrap it up. So thanks, Matt, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry it took so long to make it happen. But oh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> so, well, um, I'll, I'll put it on my calendar for next year to do the 80s. Okay. Yeah, the <laughs> 80s is going to be difficult because we got all three of the Indiana Jones movies. We have two Star Wars movies, and that's just like what E.T. is in there, e. I'm E.T. sure. is in there, yeah. And that's, I don't even know what else is in there, but... It's going to be difficult. So, yeah. 80s is going to be like a eight part <laughs> series in itself. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks again, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yep. And thanks everyone for listening. Be safe. Be courteous. Bye. See you later, alligator.